1: I'm Paco Romain, and you're listening to Subdoc, Doc, a show where we talk about documentaries with guests from the worlds of comedy, television, and film. On today's episode, I spoke with comedian podcaster Molly Sanchez to talk about the 2017 Netflix doc, Jim and Andy, The Great Beyond, featuring a very special contractually obligated mention of Tony Clifton, directed by Chris Smith. Jim Carrey, who invoked the impish spirit of Kaufman in order to play him in Milos Foreman's 1999 biopic Man in the Moon, got lost in the part and nearly broke the production in half. Seriously. Carrey's process in becoming Andy Kaufman was documented by Kaufman's former girlfriend and his writing partner, Bob Zemuda. Though the studio was not too keen to release this footage in 1999, Jim and Andy unlocks the vaults, putting Carrey's backstage shenanigans on full view eye-rolling full view director chris smith who has profiled other curious creatives in documentaries like american movie which by the way is one of my favorites intercuts this documentary with interviews with an older wiser mellower present-day carrie and now here's molly Hello, Subdoc listeners. Uh, it's me, Paco Romain, with Molly Sanchez. Hello. Hi, Molly. Thanks for having me. Of course. And we uh, wish George was with us, but he can't be.
0: Yeah, I refuse to podcast with him. I
1: know. that's It was really weird when you were like, I hate George Chen.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Can't stand him.
1: And I won't. You were like, what? You won't even be in the same room with him?
0: Uh, I refuse to be in the same room with him. That's why he moved to L.A.
1: I know. That's so weird. <laughs>
0: the city wasn't big enough for the both of us. For
1: both of you guys, man. It's hard <laughs> to fit a Sanchez and a Chen. You can't. In the same, because you guys used to be San Chen when you had that duo. The we comedy had that
0: duo, duo act. Uh, I was San, he was Chen. Right. And uh, he would lift me up and spin me and then we'd do dance and, right. you know, he dropped me one time.
1: Oof, yikes. So,
0: yeah.
1: Once you get dropped by Chen. You, you know never they,
0: go back again. You
1: know what they say. Yeah. That's right. And we, thank you for for joining us and you want to talk about Jim and Andy.
0: Boy, do I.
1: And howdy.
0: Yes. <laughs> right? Yes.
1: And How. D, D. uh, which is the delightful uh, Chris Smith doc that just came out uh, just on Netflix Mm -hmm. in November. Yeah, it came out. Mm -hmm. But before before we get into that, before I know that's why you got here and you're like, is George there? I'm like, no. And you're like, cool, I'll come in. Um, (laughs) We have not. We you say we have met once before. I
0: think we met once a long time ago in passing.
1: Good. Was I nice to you?
0: Hey, you're, you're really mean.
1: Oh, I was a dick too. No,
0: okay. <laughs> I don't even think, I think you
1: just said hello. Oh, okay, good. Um, and you're a comedian. Yes. Here in San Francisco. Uh-huh. So wh- where are you from?
0: I'm from Southern California.
1: Oh, uh, SoCal? Yeah. Is that what they call that? The LBC. Yeah, mm-hmm. the LBC, yeah. Um, which is what, Long Beach? Long Beach, yeah. That's And are you? do you listen to uh, a dub? Excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Do you listen to dub music? Isn't no, well, I'm
0: not even aware of what you know, that no is. Bit. What is dub? It's like
1: the, a rockier version of reggae, like Long Beach All-Stars. Oh, and... um,
0: no. <laughs> I don't okay. listen to that, but I could.
1: Sure. Yeah, sure you could. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Well, that's I fine. Could. You don't have to listen. What's your, What do you listen to?
0: Uh, podcasts.
1: <laughs> I see. Mostly? Only?
0: Uh, mostly podcasts. But I guess I like music too, but uh, mostly podcasts.
1: Okay. What's your favorite podcast? SopTalk. SopTalk.
0: I mean, other than SupDoc, I mean, half of SupDoc because George is also there. So I don't, I I only like half of it.
1: Yeah. Uh, But I
0: like uh, Pete Holmes' podcast. You made it weird. Okay. Yeah. And I um, I actually have two podcasts of my own. uh, So I listen to those sometimes when I'm really narcissistic. Let's plug those. Yeah. Uh, So I run Failure to Launch with Mm -hmm. my partner, which is a uh, podcast dedicated to covering one season TV shows.
1: Nice. Failure to Launch. Failure to Launch. Awesome.
0: And then I run a uh, read all over a Handmaid's Tale recap with Kelly Anakin, who's oh. another comic. So, yeah. And
1: that's about the TV show, The mm-hmm. Handmaid's Tale. And the book. And the and book. And
0: all kinds of other stuff in between.
1: I I didn't get through season one. I heard it's really good, that TV show.
0: Yeah, I think um, so.
1: What's the main actress's name?
0: Uh, Elizabeth Moss.
1: Oh yeah, she's good. Yeah, she's real good. But she's a Scientologist, so. Oh, <laughs> that's bad. Is she really? Yeah. And she was on Mad Men. Yes. And I think she was also on The West Wing. Wasn't yes. she uh-huh. the daughter? She plays
0: the president's daughter in yeah. The West Wing. Yeah.
1: That's right. I love The West Wing, by the way. Oh,
0: you love The West Wing.
1: I do. The double double.
0: You like uh, Aaron Sorkin?
1: I love the Sorkin.
0: I love the Sorkin as well. I,
1: uh, I met him, and oh. I said, "Let's." I said, "Walk with me."
0: <laughs> down a hallway yeah. and you just no, had a really good conversation
1: he, he came up and i was like hey Aaron," and he's like hey and i said walk with me and he left so <laughs> nice I look, I said, yeah i got that going for me that's pretty cool it was after the west wing podcast live at the castro theater Whoa. which he was in attendance and alice and jenny came by Ooh, it was I really like good mm-hmm. she's cool. awesome that's um cool. quick question yeah molly sanchez Hello? what is your favorite single season tv show
0: oh man my favorite single season tv show it's uh you know everybody's answer but firefly i love oh, right. firefly so much uh but uh i also love studio 60 on the sunset strip which oh. is a aaron sorky
1: right uh vehicle that is an aaron Sorkey vehicle. yeah yeah um what about Aftermath? what dat uh that is the sing- I believe the single season spinoff show of the TV show MASH.
0: Whoa. Which
1: was on CBS and ran from 1972 to 1985 or something like that. Starring Alan Alda.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah. That sounds like that's more than one season though. If
1: it's 72 well, to MASH was. Oh, I see. And then After MASH was the oh, delightful spin-off. Okay. I think. Now if I'm wrong, <laughs> send Molly Sanchez angry emails at I hate George Chen at <laughs> gmail.com, right? that-
0: Please don't give out my personal email. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry.
1: <laughs> but it's also the name of your uh, your website. That's true. <laughs> so pretty easy to find.
0: Um yes. Well, if that's a one season T V show, you can be on our podcast.
1: Oh, awesome. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. I would.
0: It's a gift to be on a podcast you've never heard of and doesn't have much clout, but you uh, may have that if you wish.
1: And I could also be wrong. So with all that being said, okay. how is Kelly?
0: Kelly's awesome.
1: She's delightful. Yeah.
0: We just played Scrabble yesterday uh, and huh? recorded two episodes of the podcast. She beat me at Scrabble, but I beat her at podcasting.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's.
0: Yeah. She's first, great.
1: First in podcast. First in your heart. Yeah, absolutely. Um, got it. Did any triple word, word score?
0: Uh, no, uh, we got in a fight cause her roommate tried to spell a word ads, A-D-Z, and really... That's believes it's a word and so we got in a big fight and then we looked it up turns out it is a word so
1: oh no way
0: jokes on us ads is like a weapon and can be spelled a d z or a d z e
1: oh dang that's all hip-hop and shit yeah. like did you spend any money on your facebook ads
0: <laughs> that's what i thought it yeah. was yeah. but no it's no. a weapon
1: wow she's smarter so. than all of us yeah. okay so um man jim and andy Oof. fuck let's talk
0: yeah, let's
1: You, talk. I've seen this a couple times. I've
0: seen it twice, yeah. Um, I like it more, I think you said it pretty aptly when you say you like it more every time and also hate it more every time. <laughs> and it. I feel that way as well.
1: Yeah, I saw it at the SF premiere. Uh, part of Brag. San, yeah, that's <laughs> a brag. San Francisco International Film Festival had the uh, SF premiere at the Castro. Went to see it and I had also just watched Man on the Moon.
0: Oh, good. Yeah. That same day. Oh, perfect! So my
1: buddy came over. Uh, we um, chilled out, which means smoked some weed. Oh. Um, then we watched Man on the Moon, uh-huh. and then we went to see the doc.
0: Wow, that's a good way to do that. I think. Yeah, yeah.
1: it was a crazy Andy Kaufman, Jim Carrey day.
0: That sounds really fun to me.
1: It was that was awesome, great. Um, and so let's just dive. So what would you think? I mean, what do you think about this doc? <laughs>
0: Woof! oh man it is it's so good and so interesting and so very weird and i'm always left baffled by it um the main thing i think i get out of it is it's very interesting to watch but i'm like fuck if a woman actress tried any of this bullshit she would be blacklisted i don't think (laughs) i don't think she would act again if a woman actress was this difficult to deal with on set no one would be like wow she's so talented they'd be like that bitch needs to not be in movies
1: right that's so. a really I never thought about that angle. Yeah, I mean there are famously difficult people to work with. Right, some of them were have been women. Yeah, but this one uh, definitely Jim Carrey Oof. is kind of. It's what's I don't even know what the word. It's he's not being a tyrant. I mean he's in character the entire time. Yeah, in order to channel the Andy Kaufman ghost.
0: Well, he zeitgeist. claims he's like basically possessed by the ghost of Andy Kaufman. Right. Which is so weird to say.
1: While sitting on a beach. Yeah. Wondering, looking at
0: dolphins. Also brag.
1: 21. Like, I think he counted them. 11 or something. He uses yeah. a number.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, which is hard. It's hard to count. Uh. <laughs>
0: Right. Cause how do you know you're seeing a different dolphin?
1: That is true too. <laughs> it's just
0: one dolphin I mean, 11 times. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean like there's either a ga- I think it's a gaggle of dolphins, uh, a herd yeah, that of dolphins. Sounds right. mm-hmm. That sounds right. A group of dolphins. Um yeah, so he says he go to the beach. One of the other things he says he had a um he had an audition. Yeah. So we see that.
0: Well, that kind of makes me interested in who else were they thinking of for this part because I can't think of anybody else who really looks like Annie Kaufman or who would come to mind who was acting at that time. So I don't know who he was even up against for this role.
1: That's a really good. It's probably like Ben Affleck, and you know, it's the late '90s. So like all (laughs) the Ben
0: Affleck would have been so Peter
1: (laughs) Scolari who wanted to like a comeback. Um, Do you remember? Do you know Peter from *Bosom Buddies*? Yeah, yeah, Uh yeah. Uh, I always loved that actor yeah. and the Bob Newhart show. He was always uh-huh. great. Um, but yeah, it was probably some horrible people. Yeah. And then, uh, he sent in, so we see his audition tape. Yeah. Which is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, it is pretty cool. I love it. It's really neat.
1: He, um, have you ever, uh, had to like mimic somebody or do an impression?
0: No. No, I did once on the radio. I did like a Catherine Hepburn impression for no reason because, <laughs> um, you know, there's not a huge need for that kind of impression. That is true. And I can do a really hacky, really bad Bobcat Goldthwait, but that's all I got. Oh, really? Yeah, you just gotta go like, <clears throat>
1: um, I'm Bobcat Goldthwait, and um, yeah.
0: Uh, like Bigfoot, you know. Uh, yeah. So it's me doing Bobcat Goldthwait doing his voice that is not his real voice.
1: Got, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> it's
0: not very nice.
1: No, it's good. That's <laughs> thank fine. You, thank it's you. Not, you're not being mean or anything. No. I mean, come on. It's Bobcat. That's true. That guy. What a good sense of humor he has. Yeah. Uh, and so let's see. He hires. So let's go back to the beginning. So yeah. he hires. Jim Carrey hires a film crew to follow him around during the making of. Man on the Moon. Right. What what do you think about that?
0: I think it's an incredible framing device because he gets people who were intimately acquainted with Andy Kaufman to film him. Like he gets I'm I'm not remembering her name, but the woman who films him is Andy Kaufman's girlfriend who was his girlfriend till the day he died. Right. And he gets Bob's Muda to help too. So it's just it's another layer in this portrayal because the peop- the very people who are making this documentary are connected to him. It's nuts.
1: That is nuts. It's great. It is great. Yeah. And the balls to do that. Well, and like he wants to hire a crew, but there was some pushback, I think. And then he was like, well, let me get these guys involved.
0: Well, what it is is they wanted the studio wanted to have a crew to do like behind the scenes stuff so they could use as promo. And he said, I will only do this if we have these people doing it. Right. Yeah. And, and you'll notice, I think the interesting thing about this film crew is he's never Andy when it's just him and the film crew. He always is Jim and you can tell in his voice, he's always Jim. And that's really strange to me when he chooses to be Jim and when he chooses to be Andy. Yes. Because it's kind of fucked up some of the times he chooses to be Andy. Like he'll be it to Andy Kaufman's real parents, which I think is I can't decide if it's fucked up or if it's sweet. What do you think about that? Like when his parents come on set and when his sister comes on set and when his daughter comes on set. What do you think about that?
1: I think it's. All I think, like this entire doc, it's half crazy and half <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that's I mean, it's also kind of seems like Jim Carrey and Andy Kaufman. There's they both yeah. seem kind of half fucking nuts and half awesome. I um, that's apt, Yeah, I hope that there was some be, be so on film on screen, we see him talking to Andy Kaufman's brother mm-hmm. and Andy Kaufman's sister and yeah. father. I, I just hope there was maybe a dinner. The night before where Jim wasn't Andy I and he was just so. Jim and was like hey listen I might slip into Andy on set I hope you guys are cool because like the balls of just per- portraying yourself as the son of brother of yeah without any conversation beforehand
0: I know I hope there was a conversation like that but I don't I wouldn't be surprised if there wasn't, to be honest.
1: I wouldn't be surprised either. But they seemed like those embraces seemed genuine.
0: Yeah. they. And I think it would also, I can't decide if it would be cathartic or not if you lost a loved one uh, to see a person who does such a good version of them who could tell you all the things that you missed hearing. Like Jesus. I think about, who's the comedian that does a really good Robin Williams?
1: Oh, George Chen.
0: <laughs> yeah, No that guy is dead to oh, me Oh right 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 I <laughs> But there's a comedian who does a great voice impression Of Robin Williams and it's chilling It sounds just like him and I always think like If I lost my dad Wouldn't it be nice to get a phone call Every now and then that was Whoa. like You're okay it's all right. Is okay. it
1: James Adomian?
0: Mm-mm.
1: He does so many voices It's
0: like a not a like name you would know But he oh. does a great
1: <laughs> Yeah So I
0: can't decide if it would be comforting or not. And the thing that's really weird is when he meets Andy Kaufman's daughter who never knew Andy Kaufman as a person. She only knew him on TV. So it's so weird that her only, like, closest experience with her father would be with this actor who's pretending to be him. But Jim Carrey also never knew Andy Kaufman. So he's doing an impression of an impression to this person who has no impression Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank member FDIC.
1: As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills.
0: The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is.
1: Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. So we don't see the daughter. Mm-mm. film i mean there's no that's not on film when, when jim talks to the daughter of andy kaufman right. but so andy had her like obviously as a teenager i the, think as a teenager yeah. and gave her up for adoption mm-hmm. and then she was on ta- when he was on taxi someone said hey that's your dad
0: yeah i don't know how can you imagine that- <laughs> he's so weird
1: can you imagine like he, he was the, like one of the biggest stars yeah of the time can you just imagine if somebody was like, "Oh, uh, BT Dubs, <laughs> fucking! I mean, who's a huge like, you know, like Ryan Gosling? Ryan Gosling is your dad. Is your pops?
0: Oof, that'd be so weird.
1: Yeah, because hope-
0: I've been wanting to fuck him, and yeah, so that, it'd would make, be, like, that would make, it just it weird. make me confused.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I hope a- he's not my dad. That would suck. Yeah. Because then the dreams have to. I don't know. You don't, maybe. I no, mean,
0: you do. You, do. <laughs> you, do. <laughs> you do. Yeah. What a trippy experience. I mean, there's so many things that they just glance on in this documentary that I'm like, wait, go back. That's very interesting. I, I would know. love to know more about that.
1: What did you think about just the Jim Carrey talking head just sitting there in his leather jacket espousing beard <sighs> wisdom? Bearded I wisdom. like how
0: you can see how tired he gets. Because he gets way weirder towards the end of the doc- documentary. And I think it's just because they've had him in the same room for a couple hours. That's really
1: apt. That's it
0: is. Because he starts out co- really coherent. Yeah. And then at the end, he's like, I could be this tea in this cup. And it's right. like, no, you could. Wait, wait. wait. Yeah, Go. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> Maybe you need a nap or like, some sugar.
0: Let's take a stretch break. Yeah. You need a snack?
1: I think... Uh, so Chris Smith talked after the showing of the doc at the Castro. Mm-hmm. And what he was saying was they had... They weren't sure how they're going to get him to sit down for multiple interviews. They had originally wanted more than one day Mm -hmm. with him and not realizing they thought that they, I think they were told they were only going to get an hour or something on this particular day, but Jim sat there for a long time and talked to them Uh, and they they got it, I guess, in one, one sitting. So I think you're absolutely right that like he was just there for a fucking long time. Yeah. And then by the end, he's like, I'm a teacup, you're a teacup.
0: I'm Jesus. Yeah.
1: I, I could be Jesus.
0: He's just tired. <laughs>
1: I think. That's interesting.
0: I yeah. Uh I haven't seen any of the subsequent videos of him like painting or or being cagey in interviews, so I don't know what he is like as a person, but it, in this he doesn't seem crazy to me. He just seems like a person that is kind of up his own ass and then also really tired towards the end of the interview. But
1: I mean, think about If you were in your, I think he's probably in his early 50s. Mm -hmm. Think about being famous from 19 years old to, and at one time, the biggest movie star in the world. I mean, comic movie star. I
0: know. I didn't realize that because I was, I'm a little (laughs) younger. I was, I didn't realize what a big star he was. Giant. Enormous. Yeah, Yeah,
1: he was a giant fucking star. And, and then like, I mean, he did those, the three, those three big Blockbusters in a one year. Mm-hmm. The Mask, Dumb and Dumber, and Ace Pet
0: Ventura, Pest yeah. Ventura.
1: And those were giant fucking movies. And so like this guy has been famous for a long fucking yeah. time and like that kind of shit just rattles your brain. You yeah,
0: know? I would think so. I mean it just certainly warps your perception of what is a regular thing and what is not, right?
1: I would yeah. I mean, sure.
0: What do you think about the mythology of writing yourself a, uh, what was it, $10,000 check? Million. A million dollar? Oh, 10 geez. million. 10 million?
1: 10 million dollars. What do you check. think
0: about, about that kind I of. I love it. I love it. I love, I love when everything there's. About it. when regular people have like mythic elements to their origin story. Yeah. I think that is really interesting.
1: Well, you, you, you see that sign right there, my dream board? Yeah. It says, talk to Molly Sanchez. Do you know what year I wrote that? <gasps> what? Like seven years ago.
0: What? Yeah. It, no. said, it
1: originally said talk to Molly Hatchett, but then the band broke up and then I just put Sanchez
0: <laughs> Wow. That's weird. I wrote kill George Chen <laughs> early 2018. So
1: yeah. uh, watch out. Yeah. Look out George. <laughs> well, he, and George and I, not to sidetrack too much, but I'm going to, George and I really want to do the secret. We want to do an episode oh. of the secret yeah. and we want people that believe in the positive visualization and uh-huh. intent and those who are like that's complete garbage because mm. I for one am a big proponent of it. I like that yeah kind of shit.
0: I think there's no harm I think the only harm is if you put something on your vision board and we're like that's it that's taken care of that done
1: done still. uh if
0: you didn't do anything I think you have to meet your vision board halfway
1: <laughs> yeah I mean <laughs> if you watch the secret have you watched the secret no or read the book it's,
0: I know the principles of it
1: it's basically like the universe is a catalog order what you want ooh right but it's basically like just put it on your board and think about it and, and it will happen and i mean there there is some i believe there is some truth to that i mean it's weird because G- jim doesn't says he doesn't believe in free will right
0: that's like towards the tired part that of is yes
1: he was like did i drink that cup of tea or not i don't know you d- was i thirsty you did. yeah you are but in the same respect he does believe in you know eyes wide shut um, welcoming the universe to deliver.
0: Yeah, and the other examples he give are gives are really weird. Like he's like, I prayed for a bike and I got a bike. Yeah, like, I I think you were just gonna get a bike. I, I don't know. <laughs> to me, that's I wish he hadn't have told that story next to the really interesting story of writing himself a ten million dollar check because that is like, woo, and the bike is like. Oh.
1: And that is like part of Hollywood mythic lore now. And the I love part, that. Me too. And there's that part in the doc where it mentions that he had buried it with his dad, which is very I sweet. I cry every time. Oh, yeah, that is very sweet. Have you, have you? Are your parents still around? They're still around, oh, yeah. Good. I
0: watched it the second time with my dad. Oh, you yeah. did? Yeah.
1: Because there's a father theme to this, obviously. Yeah. I mean, well, the,
0: the thing that I took from it, and I kind of like side-eyed my dad through this, because my dad is kind of experiencing weird career stuff, but I love when Jim says, like, my dad wanted to be a performer, but he knew he couldn't make money at of that, so he became this other job, and they ended up laying him off after 20 years, and so the lesson he learned from that is, you can fail doing something you don't like to do, so you might as well just try doing what you want to do, and that was super profound for me, and I, like, looked over my dad, and I could tell he was feeling profoundly about that. So, really? Yeah.
1: Wow. Is your dad in the arts or is
0: no i don't think he i think he um i'm trying to think of how to say this diplomatically like he
1: he's a drug dealer yes
0: he is a drug dealer. Do- right. <laughs> my dad is pablo escobar <laughs> um sanchez escobar it's like very different um but he worked in advertising for a really long time and it was kind of like his he worked his way up from mailroom to f- way higher up and he just kind of ended up not being able to do that long term, he kind of, you know, he got as far as he could do, and now he works at uh, Home Depot. Uh, so I think he kind of felt like he tried also doing what the provider job would be, ah. and then that didn't work. Right. And so now he's trying to build up. What's the What is the next phase right. look like?
1: Right, right, right. And how your I was old your? how my man? dad?
0: He's almost sixty, I think. Got it. And he just he. When He got certified to be a dialysis technician, so he oh, went wow. back to school. So wow. things are looking up for old Gary Sanchez.
1: The old Gare. <laughs> the
0: Gare bear Yeah, but I think he he liked this documentary, too, but he's not an artsy person, yeah. so it was a little bit... I think he didn't get it the same way that I got it.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the the father theme runs deep yeah. in this doc. Ooh. And, like, the father-mother father, father mother stuff keeps coming up, and now that, like... I've been more aware of parental themes in documentaries. Now it's just like it seems like every doc I watch is like just es- es- enveloped in father-mother things. Which, really? Which,
0: like what else are you thinking of?
1: Which makes sense. I mean, we just did uh, some kind of monster with oh. Dana Gould, that the comedian Ooh, Dana yeah. Gould. And the first thing he said is like, this is a doc about family this is a doc about father and mother issues and fa- yeah. and i was like holy shit you're right it is and then this like jim and andy it's like andy and his dad and his re- relationship yeah. with his dad jim and his relationship with his father yeah. andy's relationship with his daughter that which comes is on
0: nothing which is <laughs> yeah. nothing
1: uh-huh. but and then jim and his relationship with the actor that plays oh my. Andy God. Kaufman's dad and Man on the Moon. So, should this we? This is
0: my favorite comedic moment of this movie, by the way.
1: Uh, oh, you find it to be comedic?
0: I find it incredibly comedic. If we're talking about the same thing we I'm are. thinking of, is where, you know, the whole documentary has been about Jim getting into character and, you know, making them call him Andy and everything and just being in character all the time. <laughs> and so the guy playing his dad oh my goes God. into the makeup trailer. And yells at him as if he's his dad he's like we're not you're not uh helping this family you just want to help yourself and he yells at him and Jim Carrey like reacts as Andy would and the the dad actor <laughs> leaves and he goes I think we got some really good stuff there I think it, and it's like you know that Bozo was like I should try method acting yes. I think this would be great and yeah Oh, okay. it's so silly that's to me.
1: So, that's a cynical way to look at it, I think. You think? I think. I'm not sure. Oh, what
0: is your take on it? Well,
1: my, I mean, you could say that the actor, I think his name's Jerry Becker, he would have been, he's like, damn, there's a documentary film crew. I'm going to need some, <laughs> I want some film time. I'm going to go in. That's what I think. Right, yeah. okay. But then there's the makeup artist who starts crying, and she's like, that reminds me of my dad. And then mm-hmm. Jim's like, whew, Jesus, what yeah. the fuck is going, what have I done, kind of thing. But then there's like, I think... There's also like, as an actor, he I think wanted to get, you know, into the part, into the sure the zeitgeist of what was going on in the set in the movie and and um, wanted to just be a, a part of that. I suppose
0: I get it, and i I shit on actors a, li- a little I mean, bit just in free. general. Um, I don't remember how big is Andy's dad's part in Man in the Moon. Because I feel like it's a scene.
1: Yeah, it's not. Well, it's when he walks into the bedroom when he's a kid, and he's like, Andy, go out yeah. inside and play. And yeah. yeah, it's not a big part. No,
0: it just seems very funny to me that this actor was like, all right, you got you got two minutes of screen time. Right. You got to really milk. it."
1: Yeah, that is <laughs> that is true. Actually, let's let's hear a cut of let's hear a clip of uh, when Jerry Becker goes into the trailer to talk to Jim Carrey as Andy Kaufman. Me not to tell you what I really feel? Yes. Oh, so you want? Okay. Yes, All right. That's so. a, that's what I need to know then. All right. Then I will not tell you my concern. You know, I just want to be supported. I mean, if I want
0: to choose to do something, you should support me. I mean, I don't I don't understand why you're always you're
1: negative and you you, you don't. Jerry want me. Becker, who was playing my father at one point, went crazy suddenly. In the makeup trailer, started screaming at Andy as his father. I'm angry because I love you. I'm not angry because I want to try to not give you support. Too late! Too late! All right, fine. So there you go. I mean, he's definitely in character. He's making you laugh. He's making the makeup artist cry and and then the close up on Jim Carrey I think you can kind of see in his eyes he's like what uh, er, <laughs> the fuck have I yeah. done um I mean it's it takes uh,
0: I would just wish I wish we saw cuts of like cuz there are moments in the film where you see a film crew I think during the taxi sequences when he's supposed to be on the set of taxis. so yeah. there are people pretending to be the film crew i wish those guys were also super method it's yeah. like hey daniel do you want to do this i'm sorry i'm not daniel i'm jeffrey yeah jeffrey was the the grip on the on taxi grip. so please don't call me daniel daniel's dead to me that's funny. like everybody i just i imagine a sketch where just everybody wanted to be method actors yeah. on that movie and the funny the most absurd thing about this movie is you know jim carrey is saying Extremely profound things about identity And about acting and about comedy But the movie immediately After this that he did is how The Grinch stole Christmas All oh, right, So he's like Perpetrating like he's this huge Important like Daniel Day Lewis actor And a month later He was like oh the Whoville Who's down in Whoville like Christmas a lot Like
1: yeah.
0: he's just so fucking Silly it's uh, it's absurd And it's beautiful
1: the conceit in in all the meaning of that word is all over this fucking. Yeah. I mean, like to be. I mean, like you mentioned at the very top, like to be up your ass that much, where you feel like you just can't come out of character ever, unless you feel like. It, that's the thing too. Like you were saying, is he does come out of character.
0: There are some the like set. very distinct times when he does. Yeah. yeah,
1: and then there's times when he's just like being a just so. Much that he's driving Milos Forman insane, and this is like Milos Forman's no slouch of a director, right? I mean, this guy directed Amadeus, the one flew over the cuckoo's nest, yeah. and like this is like one of the is like an icon of right. of film, and like you're making him just like grovel and call you Andy and shit.
0: I know the thing that broke my heart is when he calls him and he's like, I just wanted to talk to Jim for a little bit. It makes me feel like when you go to like a Renaissance fair and you want to be like, no, I'm sorry. I know you're a theater student. Just, you don't have to do it in front of me. Let's just talk. Like, I just want to know how your day is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Actually, why don't we, let's, let's listen to that clip as well too, because um, I did have that picked out too, because uh, Jim Carrey tells it very Sweetly, um, when he talks about Milos just wanting to talk to Jim, so let's uh, let's listen to that real quick. Hello, Jim. we are having Friday dinner. Who and who? You and me. Who's you and me? I'm not going. I know, but the- Milos called me about two weeks into shooting, and he said, "I don't know what to do. I." I have never dealt with anyone like Andy. I'll, I'll check with him. Check with him and let me know. Please. I'll let you know. Okay. I'll call you. Very good. Okay. Very good, very good. I'm <laughs> so exhausted, you know. Dale. I'm so exhausted. I understand. Yeah. And Tony Clifton. I have never been intimidated by another man. And I am intimidated by Tony Clifton. And, uh, and I said, well, we could fire them and I could do an impression. I'm a really good impressionist. And I could do a pretty good imitation of both of them, I think. And then there was silence on the phone. And then Milos said, no, I don't want to stop it. I just wanted to talk to Jim. Jim also talks about going into a fugue state. And let's talk let's talk stand up for a little bit or performance. Please. Um he talks about getting on stage and sweating it out until something happens. Uh he, he mentions going into a fugue state. I, do you do you have that kind of experience with performing?
0: Um I don't know. I do think I if I'm in a writing rut, it feels really nice to get up with no plan and to just see what happens. Like I just did the show. Uh, it's just two minutes. You familiar with that show? No, it's pretty great. It's, um, a, it's a SF thing and you go up and you have two minutes to talk about a thing you pull from a hat
1: mm-hmm. and you
0: do two rounds of it. And it's really helpful in coming up with new material and it feels really good to just get up and riff. Yeah. So I guess in that sense that's as close as I get to it. What about you?
1: Okay. Well, I do like my my stand up, I do a lot of improv mm-hmm. and and like I did um I was at the Punchline right after seeing Man on the Moon and this documentary and there's wow. a moment in it where he talks about getting a reaction from the audience and wanting a reaction and going up there and sweating out. So that night I decided to do that for my set. I wow. had no plan. I had no set material. And I went up there and just let it happen. And I got to say, it was awesome. It I was bet amazing. it felt good. It felt amazing. I even got hugs from other comedians after my set. Whoa. Which never
0: the smelliest happened. of hugs.
1: Ugh, yeah, <laughs> gross. Just-
0: but uh, yeah, I think that's why it's... I think it's shitty that stand up people look down their nose at improv improvisers cuz improv is the backbone of Amen. every good thing I think.
1: Amen. <laughs> I could not agree more. Yeah. It's also it's all, I think it's the building blocks of all comedy.
0: 100%.
1: And it's also will teach you some of the greatest life lessons ever to endow to give to receive to yes and to allow your partner to explore the scene. And, you know, not to block, not to ask questions, just to yeah. roll with it. Um imp- I, I mean, I, I come from an improv background as well. Oh, yeah. And I also used to teach improv called Haha ha Improv to inner city school kids oh. to teach those middle schoolers. Talk about like fucking pulling a t- tooth, like getting <laughs> seventh graders and eighth graders yeah. to do improv. Yeah, At the beginning of, of the session, it was a six week session. I couldn't get any of them to do anything. By the end, you can't get them to shut up, you know, because <laughs> they learn. It's like, it's great. yeah, and you learn that there's also there's no wrong answer is such a beautiful lesson.
0: I think that's a beautiful lesson, too. And I think the lesson I like in improv is don't try to be funny because funny will just happen if you're using the right tools. Yes, I love it. I, oh, I love improv.
1: Me, too. Yeah. I do, too. And like letting yourself letting your comedy third eye take over. I don't yeah, know if that's a like super no. San Francisco-y the thing to say, but <laughs> like letting that inner id yeah happen yeah. where you're not trying to control it and you're not trying to um to plan it out it makes for an amazing performance. And the crowds know it immediately.
0: Yeah. Looks so good. The
1: energy in the room. And that's what he's talking about Andy Kaufman. Well actually Jim Carrey mentions in early on in his career being comfortable, not caring, mm-hmm. so that the audience doesn't have to care.
0: Yeah, I liked that notion too. I, I think that was interesting.
1: Yeah, when he was like, Well, alrighty then, you know.
0: I also think it's funny that this yeah. documentary is like, ah, Jim Carrey stand-up, just some of the best stand-up. I was uh, like, that's
1: really nice it doesn't (laughs) hold up so well but and i'm also kind of i mean andy Kaufman died in what 85 84 and i'm i'm surprised that him he and jim carrey didn't cross paths because they're both comedy store guys
0: yeah that is surprising
1: yeah because because i know jim carrey was at the comedy store all the time in the early 80s and stuff um so i'm kind of surprised that they didn't cross paths but and like they are very similar
0: yeah they they really are and i think that's kind of something we don't see as much nowadays when you see like a hyper physical hyper absurd comedian i i I think it's really beautiful to watch yeah as silly as i think some of jim carrey's stand-up is i think that he's just an incredible
1: person to watch just because he's so physical he's super physical and elastic and you just buy into it like His comfort of just there is there's a certain thing about people who are comfortable just performing. I mean, even in that interview, he's doing like voice, he's doing act outs and stuff, (laughs) even if he knows he's in close up. Yeah. You know, like I I know for me, like pretense of a situation governs whether I'm going to be funny or not. What do you mean? Well, like if I'm sitting for an interview and I feel like, oh, all these people are here, and they're spending money on this. Like, I'm not going to goof off and, you know, like I'm going to respect their process but I guess, like for him, it's like, well, that's why you're talking to me because this is what this is how I got that house in Bel Air.
0: Yeah, I think it's also um, if it's anything like how I feel, I think it's also like a defense mechanism too. Because I've I've been in therapy and my therapist has been like, ah, uh, do you notice that you used a different voice when you talked about that? It's like, oh, when you're uncomfortable, when I'm uncomfortable, my instinct is to do voices and to be silly, and so I wonder if. Some of his stuff doesn't come from that same kind of place or Andy's stuff even, too, because it sounds like both of them came from a background where they just had to kind of entertain themselves and had a very rich world that could shelter them from weird stuff in, in the real world so, so that's
1: like a defense mechanism yeah. A deflection yeah I think all comics have that yeah <laughs> I mean, that's what makes you funny ultimately I think so is like a perverse sense of creative and imaginative mm-hmm. and a desire to have control over everything, which means even deflection and yeah. now I want the spotlight. Do not give me the fucking spotlight, <laughs> but now I want it, but now get it away from me kind of thing. Yeah,
0: so it kind of makes you wonder how real the gym is that's giving this interview is. Jesus almost. Christ, Molly. <laughs> I
1: didn't even think about that.
0: Well, so much of what he's talking about is not about acting. It's about identity. And so he's like, when I'm acting, am I acting like... I'm acting like Andy Kaufman, who himself is acting like this character of Andy Kaufman. How do we get to the root of what's real? And does anybody ever showing what's real?
1: Damn. <laughs> he just dropped one. Yeah, yeah, that is true. He does. That is true. The theme of this doc. Well, there's multiple themes, but identity is a big one. Yeah. But it's like, what what is identity when it comes to celebrity and creativity mm-hmm. Like you know, one of the things they always say is develop your voice. Yeah, you know, so maybe it's not. Maybe it's more of a voice versus an identity. Maybe Andy's identity is like this is this is how I'm going to stand out.
0: Yeah, yeah, I don't have an <laughs> answer.
1: No, it's so blew my gourd. <laughs> yeah, this this whole thing is gourd blowing.
0: How about um, how about let's talk about because I really want to know what you think about this. How. Jim decided that Andy Kaufman actually didn't like Jerry Lawler. Jerry Lawler? What's his first name?
1: Jerry. Jerry? Yeah, okay. Yeah, you got it. So
0: so Lawler claims that he and Kaufman were actually friends. Oh, right. And it was all a bit. And the movie says it's all a bit. Right. But Jim Carrey just decided to oh. shit on him oh, my so God. much. Oh, it's what so uncomfortable. What do you think of this? It's horrible.
1: So, like, this, this documentary is... is it's A, wonderfully made, and uh, I also enjoyed how it's It's not... They don't necessarily put it in chapters, but it's definitely has yeah. chapters. So the Jerry Lawler part, when they finally get to that, makes me cringe every fucking time that I see it. The first time, I was like, this is going to be great. And then I was like, oh, no. And then each time I've seen it, I'm like, I don't even want to watch this part. Because like now you've made me feel bad for fucking Jerry Lawler, yeah. for Christ's <laughs> sake. But, I mean... T- oh boy oh boy because he
0: legit says jim carrey they ask him straight up you know that they were friends we have documents that say they were friends and he goes not this time
1: not like, andy yeah what
0: the what hubris yeah. of him to be like no 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 no. i'm no better yeah I than you know the real person
1: I know it's it's so hard to watch and it's like Jesus leave him alone You're, he's throwing water on him and being a dick to him and at one point Milos Forman's like Andy I just need to make the film Andy yeah just like he's even trying to like call him Andy Kaufman and like I'm doing what you fucking yeah. want me to do like come on well,
0: yeah it's it's so um to me it reeks of like little guy finally gets a chance to like bully a guy who could hurt him and not get in trouble for it uh-huh. so it's just him to me it's like an arty kid being like "Ah, hey, not so tough now I a tough guy i'll get you right right like a, when a chihuahua barks at a, a rottweiler right
1: he's like hold me back yeah. yeah i mean that is part of it for sure i think um and i mean jim's stardom certainly outshines jerry lawler sure. at that t- point too and i mean talk about making someone feel unsafe but I think, I, th- I think, I don't know, man. I don't. It's hard to double, to, to second guess what is going through Jim Carrey's mind. <laughs> but it just seems like he kind of wants everybody to participate in his stay in character antics, right. to, you know. So maybe he was trying to get Lawler to play along with him without necessarily discussing it. But yeah. Jerry's kind of like, I don't need to do that to do what yeah. I need to do on film. Yeah. I, I can. And plus he's playing himself anyways. Yeah. Well, you know, uh. Jerry Lawler's playing Jerry Lawler, but it is pretty fucking hard to watch someone get abused that much by a celebrity. We all kind of want to be like, dude, chill the fuck out.
0: Yeah. I feel like I am a people pleaser person. And so it makes me so uncomfortable to see someone just go out of their way to be difficult and to make people uncomfortable. Yes. It's it's great to watch, but it's also like
1: oh yeah, and it shows you yeah, and it exactly it shows you the strength of stardom and celebrity (laughs) when you can just do that like yeah. I've been on sets before. I mean, I've filmed commercials and films and brag. yeah, pretty much. I mean, not ju- ju- I'm sorry, not commercials, but national commercials. Oh, okay. Sorry, okay. I should have put that out Don't there. Don't brag. Yeah, whatever. Um, and like, and like, everyone goes out of their way to be so nice on yeah. those fucking sets. Mm-hmm. And like, someone I can't imagine. I mean, my favorite is Paul Giamatti's roll <laughs> eye rolls in the background of every shot he's in. He's rolling his eye. Yeah. And like, this is a guy at that time wasn't well known. Yeah. You know, in that film. But, mm-hmm. you know, he goes on to make some awesome fucking movies and now he's a star in his own right. Yeah. So, like, we're talking about someone who is very talented and probably went to Juilliard and studied yeah. acting for years. And he's mm-hmm. like, I'm not I don't need to do that. You know, like, yeah,
0: I think um, I think it's very telling that they only interview Jim Carrey in this retrospective. Because I think if you interviewed anybody else on that set, they wouldn't be like, oh, the magic of acting. They'd be like, what (laughs) Ah, a shithead. uh, That guy is nuts. And I hate, the scene I hate the most and also like a little bit is the scene at the very end when they have, um, they bring out the big cake at the end Uh. and and everybody's like, we're going to miss you. Oh, we dressed up too. Oh, we love you. And that's just, to me, it seems so fake because you can tell how much he's bothering everybody everybody yeah and being a shit this whole time and so it seems like really like somebody said hey throw jim a bone be be happy to him on the last day and i like how it affects jim carrey because he breaks character Mm -hmm. a little bit and cries which i think is beautiful but i don't buy that everyone had as a good time on this film as they claimed they did yeah and i think that's the again that's the reason they only interview jim carrey about this is because all that matters is his perception of how it went and his perception of what it was.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I agree. I mean, Judd Hirsch probably would have some other things yeah. to say, uh, you know, 15 Andy years. DeVito. Yeah. Those guys look like they're in pain. I mean, it's gotta be disruptive. I mean, no matter how, even if it's fucking genius and it's necessary, it's, you know, certainly has to be somewhat disruptive on set to be, have to <laughs> deal with that. so, uh let's talk Bob's Muda um mm. uh, for a sec. Like so he's uh let's see, he's in the dock, but he's portrayed by Paul Giamatti in Man on the Moon. Mm-hmm. And Bob's Muda was Andy Kaufman's right hand man. Like basically his his partner in crime, his writer, and mm-hmm. sometime Tony Clifton yeah. uh portrayal. So what do you what do you think about Bob? What like do you know much about him or
0: I don't know much about him beyond his involvement in Andy Kaufman's life. Uh,
1: Have you ever had a comedy partner?
0: Um, no, (laughs) no. I mean, I feel like uh, the podcast I do with Kelly, I feel like a real strong partnership there. Uh, So I guess she's my partner in that sense. Uh, And then my friend Sam DeSalvo and I, we work together and we write together and we do all kinds of stuff together. So that feels like a partnership, but um, this is incredible. I love that they were able to switch uh who was Tony Clifton even posthumously is so interesting. Incredible. And oh are we gonna talk about the That's, Playboy this Club? This is what I'm
1: leading to, yes. yes. This is exactly what I'm leading to. Death you wanna set part. up the scene?
0: Okay, so they invite Jim Carrey to a party at the Playboy Club during production of this. Bob Zamuda dresses up like Tony Clifton and shows up and everybody just assumes it's Jim Carrey. And they're you know, everybody's hanging out with him yeah, Heff is talking to him. The girls are talking to him. Everybody thinks this is Jim Carrey. Andy Dick, I love Andy Dick in this uh, moment. Just being like, if that's Jim Carrey, he is doing a phenomenal job. Yeah. So no one's quite sure. And then fucking Jim Carrey shows up. Oh
1: Ugh. my God. It's, it's delicious. delicious. It is so fucking awesome. And then what happens? They kick the- the Bob Zamuda out. <laughs> they kick him out. It's so great. <laughs> It's so, and they escort him out of the fucking Playboy mansion. And because I guess Jim must have been like, I don't know who that is, right? (laughs) Yeah. And so they kick his ass out. Oh Oh, my God, it's so awesome. And they're like, we're going to need that tape.
0: Oh,
1: which obviously they didn't get, but
0: it's beautiful.
1: It is beautiful. (laughs) It's
0: so stinking good. Yeah. I think those are the bits that I really like because they're pulling a joke on really high status people. Like, I think it's a little insufferable that, you know, there was a page on the set who had to drag fake drunk Jim Carrey around Ugh. when he was being difficult because that person probably does not get paid that much, probably would have been really excited to work with Jim Carrey. Oh, man. You know, is just a uh, underling and has to deal with his bullshit. But when they pull bullshit on people who can take it.
1: Yeah. Well, like, they're punching up at that point. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's so. always fun to watch. But the hapless... P.A. that's getting like 12 bucks an hour to have to like fireman carry. So you think he he was he was faking being drunk.
0: So there's a part in the movie where they ask him, was Tony Clifton really drinking all the time? And Jim Carrey gets a little twinkle in his eye and he goes, I don't know. He smelled like it, though. Mm. And this is after a whole like montage of them dragging him around and him being passed out and being belligerent and shitty. So I don't know what that means.
1: <laughs> yeah. I I kind of took it as he was drinking. But, I mean, yeah, I guess it's, it's hard to know. I mean, they show him with little bottles of Jack Daniels yeah. and champagne and stuff. But it seemed like he enjoyed being Tony Clifton much more than Andy Kaufman. Yeah. I mean, who wouldn't, though? <laughs> who wouldn't want to be more like tony clifton
0: well it's so jekyll and hyde right you know it's getting to be the grossest worst meanest most belligerent part of yourself yeah and there's something freeing and fun about that it sounds like
1: absolutely well they it's you know they 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 kind of ham fist the mask into this thing
0: i freaking hate that choice yeah. to be like, oh, look at these other Jim Carrey movies. He's been concerned with identity the whole time. It's yeah. like Really? Yeah. That is. You're so full them. of shit. Yes, yeah. he did. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. He
0: didn't write any of these movies. Also, by the way, the next movie he makes is the fucking Grinch. How are you going to tie that in? This is I think that was a bad choice.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it makes the, the <clears throat> one of the best editing moments. And we can we can talk about more about identity. But one of my One of my favorite identity moments, though, is when they uh, he talks about um, uh, basically about like um, being a celebrity and all that stuff. And then they do a cut to him being he must be like 17 or 18. He's being interviewed and he's like, he's like, wouldn't it be awesome to be so famous? You can just kind of do whatever you want to do. He's like and then his eyes kind of like close, like where I think he's just like, oh, shit, like this might actually happen.
0: No, I love that. I think that's a good one.
1: that's one of my favorite editing moments in this entire doc. Cause it's like, wow, that's some real shit right there. It's wild that you can go back 30 Mm. years and see a young Jim Carrey being like, wait, this might actually, this might actually happen." happen. Like to him, it's just still a dream, but yeah, yeah. Identity is such a big part of this doc. It's, it's pretty incredible. Um, and they do talk about like the Truman show and he's like, Every time I did a film, I was going through whatever in my life. and
0: Yeah. I did know. like that discussion. I liked the idea of please don't get well.
1: Oh, yeah. Like
0: how much do we coddle um, what's bad about ourselves because it makes good art.
1: Did you fear that by going to therapy you would become yes. too normal or whatever? The, and Too adjusted, I should say. 100%. really
0: yeah yeah i just started six months ago and it's been incredibly helpful oh good but i did worry i i mean i know that's such a narcissistic weird thing to think but Isn't
1: i it? i don't think it's narcissistic
0: i don't know but to be like oh god what if my damage is what makes me funny <laughs> like uh, it i guess it is but it's like uh, you shouldn't be unhealthy just because it's part of your art and if your art hinges on you being sad then you're not that good of an artist I think Whoa. maybe I, I also don't like the stereotype of like really sad fucked up mostly men I, I don't think this gets applied to women as much but like the best artists are the ones who are so fucked up and so sad and shitty right. and It's like that can be true but you can also make good art when you're in a good space well
1: and how did that turn out for Elliot Smith you know, I mean there's like <laughs>
0: Oh. You know what I'm saying? Like Yeah, it's not fun. It no, doesn't end well.
1: No, it doesn't. And usually their career is shut is is cut short. Yeah. Too early, you know, like I mean, I I feel personally mm-hmm. that that artists who get mental health treatment have a better idea of their art and what makes them good at their art yeah. and can can package it in a way that other people can get it a little easier. Yeah. A la Maria Bamford yes. and like Lady Dynamite,
0: Absolutely. like
1: her show on Netflix, which I love. Mm. Like, I feel like she she obviously has gone through therapy. Mm-hmm. I, I, guess, I'm, I guess I'm assuming. I
0: believe so. I would yeah, think so. I think she talks about it.
1: Yeah. And, and mental health is kind of a big topic for her. And like, I feel like, you know, as someone that um, is at the top of her game, like we can see that it can certainly fucking help, yeah. you know but um it's interesting i don't know i don't know where, what that does for identity but i feel like
0: well it's like are you are you just defining yourself by what you're not you're like oh i'm not a happy person or i'm not a you know i'm not a normal person yeah. like that's you don't do yourself any you need to define what you are and not what you're not
1: yeah oh what which okay right Here which, we go. <laughs> which brings me cuz you brought up the director that said to him yeah don't get healthy. Yeah. Because he was about to do Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind mm-hmm. and he was going through a big breakup. Jim mm-hmm. Carrey.
0: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> right.
1: And the and the director is like, oh, my God, please. You're so tortured right now. Please don't get happy. Right. Yeah. Let's use this. Not like I don't know why. Like, like, good actors should be able to draw upon emotional yeah you know it's like well i yeah i went through that i remember being miserable i can bring that back to the page you know like yeah but that is kind of a fucked up thing to say
0: it's fucked up but it's it's a really interesting thing
1: so i have a i have a buddy um once again yeah a national buddy (laughs) um he uh was Um, in the eighties, he was a big stand-up comic. His name's Michael Pritchard. I'll just say it. Um, (laughs) he's a wonderful guy. I mean, he is just like the mother Teresa of comedians and Andy Kaufman and him were, were close. And Andy is the one that convinced him to get out of comedy (gasps) because Andy said to him, listen, you know, this is what I'm doing on stage now. I'm having people come up and touch my cancer sores. And that's what he would do at the comedy store. Really? He would have people come up on stage and like touch the lumps uh, on his neck. I have and chills.
0: Stuff. That's so interesting. Yeah,
1: and he was like, "This is the this is the monstrous, disgusting field that we're all in." Is that I have such celebrity status, I can get people to just do anything, including coming on stage and touching my cancer. And he told Mike, like, "Get out of the game. You're too nice." Uh, and that's when Mike decided to get out of stand-up comedy, and he was—he was big. I mean, he was a big. He was about to be even a bigger comic back in the eighties. Wow. So now he's a um, motivational speaker. Oh, and
0: what does he have people touch?
1: Uh, uh, just his heart. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, especially in today's yeah. days.
0: Well. I think that's kind of a cynical read on that. I mean, Andy Kaufman's allowed to view his own life and comedy the way that he wants. But isn't like touching the cancer, isn't that like what we're all trying to do to an extent with our art? Aren't we trying to say like, here's what's weird about me. Here's what's scary about me. If I show it to you, are we closer do you get me more?
1: Interesting. Don't you
0: feel like you do that with stand up? Like aren't you a little bit excited if something happens to you that makes you feel weird or uncomfortable because you're like, "Oh man, maybe I can unpack this on stage and feel a little better?" Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah, and and for me that's when my stand up took a turn for the better. Yeah. Is when I started using more of like personal pain on yeah. stage. Yeah.
0: Well, that's where we get away from like <laughs> Isn't ruled paper weird? <laughs> it's never been to college. Like stuff that is funny, but it's not, um, <laughs> you know, not deep. Yeah. To like really talking about stuff that is universally relatable because we all feel pain and we all feel uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't know. I think touching the cancer now makes me feel that way.
1: Huh. Interesting. <laughs> I think his part was just like people are lemmings. And mm. if you are at all a celebrity, you can do whatever the fuck you want. Oh,
0: that makes sense. You yeah. know,
1: and that kind of. Chappelle. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Does he do shit like that?
0: No, but I've heard like people buy tickets to a Chappelle show and he just sits on a stool and oh. like yells. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Which is fine. I haven't seen it. And I, I I love Chappelle, so I would watch that. And what is a podcast if not sitting on a stool and yelling to that your is, audience? That is a good point. <laughs> but yeah. it does seem like a, you'll watch anything, won't you, you little shit?
1: Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. So, I mean, there's definitely some, some fear is another theme that comes up in, I would call this document if I had to rename it fear and loathing in Los Angeles um because fear thank you fear <laughs> is definitely a uh part of this let's let's talk about fear a little bit it's a it's a great motive motivator sure do you believe yeah yes yeah yeah i've heard fear or ego are the two main motivators <laughs> and
0: they're both in this movie they
1: are both in this movie yeah
0: yeah um so I think there's a freedom in hiding behind a character because he says some shit that is like very therapy stuff. As Andy, he'll or as Tony Clifton, he'll be like, "Yeah, Jim is scared today.
1: Oh. Like he is. Oh yeah. You're right. like
0: Jim. Jim doesn't know who he is. Jim's worried people only like him because he's famous. Like
1: oh, that's right. And
0: you're like." Yeah. And that's the only way he could say that, I guess.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. He does say that as Tony Clifton. That's why I mean, I feel like he felt more like closer to the Tony Clifton character. But but that's what that character is. He's unfiltered. And man, then when he when he walks onto the set of Taxi and like just makes people fucking crazy. Yeah. Because he won't stop being Tony Clifton. And but he's I mean. Jim does an ama- does do an amazing job.
0: That can't be ignored. He does a fabulous job.
1: I don't remember if he won anything for this.
0: I think this is the sad part. I think he just won like maybe a Golden Globe because that's what they show at the end, right? That's I think my favorite cut is when it goes from like his end shot as Tony Clifton and then boom. It's Jim Carrey on the red carpet with Renee Zellweger. Oh. Cameras are flashing. Man in the Moon is playing in the background. Yeah. Like it's totally like a... Sort of a redemption montage at the end of a movie, but it's in its documentary and it's him like winning something but it's jim winning it
1: yeah best actor yeah i That's think it's right. a golden globe oh, i don't yeah. think it's an oscar which is like winning an ice cream cone let's be honest i mean hey man. really
0: do you have a golden no globe? i'm joking yeah yeah
1: look you're in my office uh, yes. look at all of them it's
0: propping up your emmy
1: yes it is uh i gotta <laughs> dust that
0: thing is, is that an adult film award That's wow
1: avian yeah
0: good for you bud the, the
1: touchy what do they call those <laughs> <laughs> the squeezy, oh uh,
0: yeah, 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 colloquially. I, I,
1: I want to, I want a squeezy. Uh, no, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, he does such a great job in, in this film. But the uh, part that is truly telling is when he's talking to Bob Zmuda in the trailer and <sighs> saying that Universal wants to keep the rights to whatever they're filming because
0: mm-hmm. he didn't want to, he didn't want they didn't want people to think Jim Carrey's an asshole. Yes, they didn't want people to. It's <laughs> ah, <that's> an important <laughs> distinction.
1: Do you think he's a dick? I kind of want to be his best friend. Do, do you want to be his best friend? Or? I do
0: because I want to talk to him cuz right. I think he sounds like a very interesting person. Yeah. But I'm also kind of fatigued with this white men getting away with fuckery. Huh?
1: <laughs> so well, I think about
0: that. um the Oscar the actual Oscar winning film Suicide Squad. Um, And on the set of that, uh, Jared Leto is playing the Joker and he sends in preparation for his role. He sent all the other Suicide Squad mates. He sent them like semen and envelopes and like dead rats and shit. And he sent like periodically everyone on set. He sent people shit like that because he's like, no, that's what the Joker would do.
1: Uh. And it's just
0: like, fuck.
1: Oh, yeah, you're
0: such a shit. And again, I have never yeah. heard of a woman do that by getting into character. Like I'm thinking of like old timey actresses maybe were like, I can't yeah. go out today. you know, I the the color of the curtains isn't right. like that's yeah, yeah, like yeah. diva stuff maybe, right. I just can't shake the feeling if like a woman was like, to get into this character, I must be a dickhole to everybody right. and send boogers to people, and people being like, "She's <laughs> such an artist," because they they just don't have as much room. So I'm part awed by his talent and his commitment, and what a cool, interesting person he seems like. Mm-hmm. And part, like, white man, can you please stop it? Yeah,
1: can tone you it down a little fucking bit.
0: Fucking stop it yeah. right now! I'm so over your bullshit.
1: Yeah. Well, good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I see what you mean completely. I, yeah. I feel also that he's so talented. He didn't need to do any of that without, and he could have given the same performance. That's, we don't know? We do not know. I, that's just a guess on my part. But I feel like I don't believe in the Meisner technique of, mm. you know, like, you know, staying in character and being that character. You know, I believe more what Spencer Tracy would say is just memorize your line and don't walk into the furniture.
0: And pretend that you are Portuguese in Captain's Courageous, even though you're also a white man.
1: That too Yes
0: <laughs> That's another Spencer Tracy uh, Thing Anecdote Yeah
1: Yeah yeah Well they did that a lot Right back in the day
0: It was a different time There was a different
1: time Yeah
0: Yeah no I ugh, I don't know I Good Spencer ways.
1: Tracy cut though That was good
0: I loves me some Captain's Courageous I didn't know that Yeah Huh Give me a desk set Love that shit too Yeah ugh.
1: Yeah a good desk set.
0: Oh, a good desk set.
1: Let's segue for a second. Uh, what's the last theater show you went to see? Like big production, Broadway, like...
0: Oh, I saw uh, Fun Home at the Curran.
1: Oh, nice. This was really great. They yeah. redid that theater.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. The new, this was like the first show at the new Curran. It oh, wow. It was really great, yeah.
1: Awesome. Yeah. I saw Hamilton.
0: Yeah, bitch. That oh, I'm sounds sorry, awesome. I'm not trying to
1: over. Yeah, I'm not trying no, to. No, that's my... awesome.
0: I love Hamilton. I tried every day to win that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I got lucky. My friends couldn't go, so <laughs> nice. they had two tickets. Nice. Yeah, um, I bought them from them. Sure. but I was able to get tickets, but Good for you. it was it was awe inspiring. That's great. There's nothing like like live theater.
0: There really isn't, and I think that I don't know why more people don't go see. Live theater, especially yeah. in San Francisco and there's so many different ways to do it.
1: There is. Yeah. Yeah. And there's different, uh, pretty much... What's your flave? Yeah. Because it's here. <laughs> it's really here in yeah. the Bay Area. I mean, you I can... love it. Yeah. And there's there's many theater companies all around the Bay Area to go see some of their shows. And it's one of those things, I feel like it's stand, like stand-up like stand comedy. When people don't go see stand-up comedy for a long time, then they go and they go, fuck, why don't I go out and see <laughs> yeah. stand-up more often? I do it too. Yeah. I just went... I was sitting here, right here. Right on here? On Friday. Brag. Once again, brag nationally sitting here. <laughs> and um, just on Friday, I was bored, uh, a little a little stoned. <laughs> I and I was like, what the fuck am I doing? I should go to the punchline. Wow, like, who's yeah. at the punchline? So I looked up, it's Jake Johansson, one of my all time oh, favorite comedians, right? I fucking it over the punchline, get there right before the host comes out. She was great feature was great J- jake was great and then i'm like what's the second show because jake is and and it turns out eliza Schlesinger. and
0: nicole kalasich and nicole kalasich who i'm seeing later today shut up yeah we're, i'm recording her podcast next no <laughs> really but that's great but it just happened to be serendipitous that something that you like just came in waves to you
1: yeah that's and lovely. it's also it's live performance and it's awesome and it's amazing to see and and i think part of a problem that we're getting into nowadays i know that i've seen it a lot are people who feel who audiences who react like they're watching netflix and it's like talk talk or no nothing and it's like hey guys remember this is live you can laugh and clap and smile and like have a visceral reaction Mm -hmm. Don't heckle, but you can have a reaction, mm-hmm. you know, to what's going on. Because I've yeah. been in front of an audience where I'm like, are you guys actually? Yeah. Maybe it's just my stand-up no, phone.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sure it's not that. Or like looking at their phones. I think that's oh, so disrespectful. Dude,
1: you can see the shaky hands of people who are just like, I haven't touched my phone in like 10 minutes. Like, I, You can see people doing it under tables and stuff. I'm like. You couldn't wait? You can't fucking wait. You couldn't wait. Yeah, I know. Oh. Um, so let's see what else. Oh, the, um, Jim talking about at the end, he talks about Jesus <laughs> and wanting to maybe be Jesus. So.
0: This is where he really needed a saltine cracker or yes. some kind of snack of some, some kind. sugar. Case. He is. This is coming right off of the tea comment or it's teeing up the tea comment. Mm-hmm. I don't remember where it fits, but. Yeah that's a weird thing to say
1: That is kind of a weird thing to say And I thought maybe I'm like Was well, it because he's, um, has a beard Is that why Is he trying Oh
0: I hate when guys get beards The next thing they want to do is think they're Jesus It's yeah. so annoying
1: Yeah I, well I thought maybe like Maybe he has a role coming up Where he's playing Jesus or something
0: I would love to see The comedy Jesus movie With Jim Carrey yeah. That he doesn't know is a comedy Oh, that's right. Evan Almighty. Um, oh, right. <laughs> Bruce, All- Bruce, Bruce Almighty. Almighty.
1: Yeah, I guess he already did that.
0: Um, no, I think uh, I thought that was dumb. And then I went to sleep and I woke up in the middle of the night being like, oh, is he saying that like Jesus is just somebody that pretended really hard and eventually people believed him and he just stuck oh. to it? And what makes a God. And then I went back to sleep. Oh, yeah. So
1: Right, sure. I don't you didn't really answer know. your own question?
0: No, I, I just turned around. Right. So I don't your know what he's saying. boyfriend's anything.
1: like, uh, shut up.
0: Stop. T- what's the matter? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Could it be? It's um,
0: good. Write this down. <laughs> yeah. Please hurry.
1: In the morning, it's just like, Jim Carrey, Jesus, question mark. Like, Why? <laughs> yeah. What the fuck was I thinking?
0: I always wake up mid-sentence and then get upset that I'm not being understood. Oh Yeah I'll wake up and be like Well do you know the thing about the giraffes Yeah And Mitch will be like what I was like ah, Mitch uh. The thing <laughs> about the giraffes Yeah Don't patronize me And just get really mad And then be like Oh no I was asleep
1: uh, Actually sorry Sorry guys I was just That's the Xanax talking Whoops <laughs> Um, And so he, Another theme I wrote down for this is acceptance Aww. Right Yeah it's like everybody wants to be accepted. Everybody wants to do a good job in what they're doing. But what what do you think about like Andy Kaufman and like what he was after? Do you think people accepted what he was trying to do? Do you think if people are accepting what Jim Carrey was trying to do in this?
0: It's hard to say because how do you measure acceptance when your whole conceit is that you're not thirsty for acceptance?
1: Whoa. Or,
0: or even like... You know, Jim Carrey says he's like, I just stop trying to please people. I would just do what I want. Right. And certainly that's an Andy Kaufman thing too. But isn't that like the most attention-getting kind of kind of act? I, yeah. I don't know. There's a lot to kind of untangle. There like, is. Do you, or like, do you really genuinely not care, or do you care so much that people like what you're trying to give you? Because if he was really a person who's like, I don't care what people think of me. I'll just do whatever I want. He wouldn't be a famous person, right? He's wants both of them want people to look at what they're doing and feel something.
1: Well, that's that's it, isn't it? It's it's they they want to get in a reaction, mm-hmm. whether I, I would say with Andy Kaufman whether it's good or bad. Yeah, I think with Jim it's whether it's good. I mean, he I yeah. think he's a people pleaser. Yeah, there's like it's so weird with comics. It's like either you're <laughs> someone who wants all acceptance or you want some or someone who wants to control what the acceptance is, Yeah, you know, and where do you fall between? Cause I used to always say like comedians are either they're funny people Uh who want to be loved or they're like, they're, they're good writers who want to be able to tell people who they are. You know, they, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Anyway. So, I, I mean, I think it does come down to like, do you want people to understand where you're coming from mm-hmm. and are you willing to risk yeah. you know, pretty much everything? Because with Shit. Andy Kaufman, yeah. it's like the like the actual, like it seems like he was trying to tear down, I don't know, tear down the conceit of what celebrity is and what comedy is. Yeah. And, you know, like I know he was pissed that he was on taxi yeah, and that I guess he signed a five-year contract yeah. and was just like, Oh fuck. Right. Like what have I done, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. And then yeah, I think he's interested in that idea of of trying to do his own thing and and is that acceptable?
1: Yeah. To people. What is acceptable at this, you know, today's current political climate?
0: Oy. Yeah. I
1: think everything and nothing. I think
0: yeah I agree (laughs) well said oh my god
1: now I need some I need some tea you need a snack I need a snack (laughs) I need need a saltine Um, well let's see I think I think we've done it oh wait
0: wait wait I have one last thing Oh want to talk about and this will tie in nicely to the end okay so there's that scene in the middle that we were talking about where he's in the trailer with Bob Zamuda and he says They want us to stop filming. They want these tapes because they don't want people to think I'm an asshole. Right. And Bob Zamuda's like, oh my God, really? And then in the documentary, Jim 2017 says, yeah, they didn't want to see these tapes because they didn't want to think I was a bad guy. Right. Then after the credits roll, Mm -hmm. we go back to that scene in the trailer and there's a pause and Bob Zamuda goes are you fucking with me? Right. And he goes, I'm fucking with you. Yeah. So what is real? Yeah. Did they really sequester these tapes or did Jim Carrey just forget they were in his office, remember they were in his office and be like, we should do a documentary. I don't know what's real.
1: Ugh, yeah, I don't either. I I feel like, yeah, I don't know. I, Yeah, good question. Because I feel like <laughs> they did try to sequester, like they really truly didn't want him to look like an asshole. Right. And then at some point... Probably just changed their mind or or said to Jim, like, listen, just hold on to these for the next 10 years. You know, don't do anything with them. You know.
0: What is that scene then? I don't know. If that scene's not conveying the true information that they need to give up these tapes. Yeah. And it's just a gag.
1: Right. I don't know, man. We'll have to. I don't know. We'll have to what ask Jim Carrey. You mean? and I should go find Jim Carrey in L.A. and ask him.
0: I would absolutely adore
1: that. I know that'd be. I would really that'd like be our to own talk podcast. To him. Um, w-
0: uh, Jim, Andy, Paco, Molly, and the Great Beyond.
1: Yes, let's do it. And I love Chris Smith. By the way, let's. I do need to do, give a shout out to Chris Smith because American Movie is one of my all-time favorite documentaries. I have not seen it. Uh, you should watch American Movie, American movie okay. He made American Movie He made Home Movie Both of them Ooh. are amazing He's made a few other docs But I think he chiefly makes commercials now I think mm. he's a commercial director But um, I saw him at the premiere here oh. in San Francisco I gave him a pin, a sub doc pin That's nice Hoping he was, he could do this podcast Oh, was,
0: so I'm your second choice
1: No, no, you're a first choice <laughs> for this I want, Well, I mean, no, but you're a <laughs> first choice for this I, I want to talk to him about American Movie Which okay. I love so much cool um
0: well i hope he's listening i hope he, so is he did too. a great job
1: what are do you have any other docs that you love
0: yeah um i like i feel like i watch a bunch of, of documentaries but i had never heard of a bunch of the ones that you guys had covered because okay. i don't watch a ton of music documentaries oh right unless you count the katie perry documentary which is legitimately very good really yeah uh, i forget what it's called but it's it's awesome. Oh, wow. It's really good. If you guys ever want to really go out of your comfort zone yeah. and cover that, I will come back. Okay. I have lots of feelings on that,
1: too. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Um,
0: but I also, the only music documentaries I had watched prior to that were um, Beatles. Oh, okay. Because I love the Beatles, yeah. but so many Beatles
1: documentaries There are suck. a lot. of Yes, yes.
0: Oh, I'm looking at you, Ron Howard. The one you made fucking sucks. Did it? Oh, it's so dumb.
1: I didn't see it.
0: It's like eight days a week or something, and it's real oh, bad. Boy. It's like... Oh it's so
1: bad Yeah But
0: one that I like Is called uh, Good Old Frida
1: Okay, yeah And it's
0: about The woman who started The very first Beatles fan club Right From like Day one OG like cavern days Right to- right right Beatlemania days, and okay. it's, so it's like her story within that story, and it's really good.
1: Oh wow, I, I, I've seen I've seen the title, I've not seen the doc. It's great. I'm not a huge Beatles fan, so mm-hmm. I haven't quite gotten there. I mean, we don't we just did a Rocky the Rock our Rocktober month, which was all oh. music docs. So we tend not to do too many music docs, oh, okay. but we had a theme month where we did gotcha. that. And um, but yeah, I mean, docs these days are they're all over the fucking place, and there's so many good ones.
0: They're oh I feel like I watch a good one every cup every month. Right?
1: Yeah. Like a Netflix alone, you can just chill and just fucking get your doc fix in.
0: But then you watch so many and you encounter a bad one and it feels so bad, especially if other people like it. Like you ever watch the Keepers?
1: Yes. Keepers suck. Oh, it was horrible. <laughs> it was so bad. I hated it.
0: Keepers was like true crime documentary Emperor's New Clothes because I feel like nobody actually liked it, but everyone was like, Keepers is so I great. heard so
1: many good things about it and I watched it and oh, I was like, this so is boring. really bad. Yeah. And I actually said, I, it made me hate the nun. Whoa. I actually, by the end of it, I kind of hated her.
0: I don't hate the nun.
1: I, I was like, fuck her. That's how I felt after watching that Well, they
0: did. You Paco, know, they yeah, did.
1: I know. But still, I was like, I hated that doc so much. Oh, so and, bad. And the one about the creepy cult guy in Hawaii that had sex with his people.
0: Ooh. Everyone was
1: like, this is awesome. Like, it's actually a pretty shitty documentary. I've
0: never heard that one. But
1: um, yeah, it's on Netflix. People love that one too. But.
0: I like a uh, Helter Skelter.
1: Yeah, that's a
0: that's like such an early documentary and such a cool, weird, oh, yeah. terrible Have you one. You haven't read
1: the book? No, the book is fucking nuts. The book's Oof, awesome. Really? Yeah. Oof. Um. Well, we could Sorry. go on. To that. No, it's <laughs> fine. It's fine. Thank you so much, Molly. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Do you want to plug any any social media or whatever? When will this be out? I don't know.
0: It doesn't matter. I'll just do evergreen shit. You can follow me on Twitter at @seriousmolly. Or either of my podcasts, failure to launch, or read all over a Handmaid's Tale recap. Dig it. And I actually love you, George. I think you're uh, a profoundly nice and cool person. He is.
1: I love George too. Yeah. Oh, let's do a podcast devoted to George Chen. Yeah. What would we call it? Um, Keep your chin up.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. Thanks. thanks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. You can find more episodes of Doc, show notes, updates, and more. At subdocpodcast.com. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at SubDoc Podcast. If you have comments, corrections, or want to suggest a documentary, email us at subdocpodcast at gmail.com. The show is listener supported. You can donate to the show at patreon.com slash subdocpodcast. If you can't donate financially, please subscribe, comment, or tell a friend about SubDoc. We'd like to thank Documentary News for their ongoing support. SubDoc is produced by Will Scovel. Our theme music is by David Siegel.